politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American citizens yearning to be treated with dignity once again to the CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here Thursday, April 7th. And it is dignity we are pursuing. Human dignity. Uh, Our founders viewed people as human beings created in the image of God. And based on that, it meant that in terms of a governing philosophy, you can't rule over another human being. Our government, on the other hand, views us as nothing but lab rats. So they think they could groom us. You know, recently there's been a lot of debate over the word grooming. The left really doesn't like that. Because finally, our side successfully utilized political parlance, a terminology, and threw it on them and made it popular rather than our side always drinking out of their trough and it harms them. You could tell what harms them by their reaction. And they're like, you can't say groomer. That's terrible. I was thinking it's not just on this whole issue of teaching children about the homosexual agenda and and all this gender bending and, and just sexuality in general in school, which should never be done. But Everything they are doing to us is grooming us, okay? Every abnormality that we are experiencing, every part of COVID fascism, biomedical tyranny, endless millions of illegal aliens, the crime wave, the trends, bender, gender bender stuff, the supply chain shortages, the inflation, everything that goes on is a grooming phenomenon to make us feel gradually that this is the new normal, that the Overton window of acceptability keeps moving alongside it. And Republicans allow us to be groomed by fake fighting something only to a degree. So I want to talk about that today in the prism of several things going on, including the border, And how we cannot allow ourselves to get sucked into that where we don't react immediately and swiftly morally to what's going on and then it's allowed to take root. And then you're just debating on their terms. Well, do we just get rid of Title 42 or maybe we don't? So we'll have 2 million illegals instead of 6 million. This amount of mask wearing, but not that. This amount of of clot shots or that amount. It all needs to go. And we need a movement with that moral authority. And I think you're starting to see the lessons of the Florida governor and that uh, fight over the anti-grooming bill. But that's emblematic of everything else. I want to get into some of that today. Um, Obviously, the FDA advisory committee hearing. And we're going to have Chip Roy on, congressman from Texas 21, our longtime friend, when we can pull him out of the cloakroom of the House floor. Today's show is sponsored by Bambi. You know, you hear a lot today that a business could do anything they want to a worker, except they can't. The only thing they can do is serve as a conduit for Pfizer's poison. But when you run a business, HR literally kills wrongful termination suits, bogus discrimination, labor regulations, minimum wage, all sorts of stuff. HR managers typically cost about 70000 a year. 
and it's all basically to serve as a steward for gov- for government. Bambi takes care of that for you. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. You get a dedicated HR manager to craft your HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for 99 bucks a month. It's month to month. You don't have to commit to a year. You cancel any time. No hidden fees. They take care of onboarding, terminations. Customize your policies to fit your business. Again, for just 99 bucks a month. Let Bambi help set you free. You did not start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR. So it doesn't hurt just to get an audit. They give a free audit. Go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now for your free HR audit. That's bam to the bcom slash conservative. Bambi.com slash conservative. So what I'm trying to say here is that every time our government does something, okay, they, they literally rape our bodies. They rape our societies. And we don't react. We are allowing ourselves to be groomed into making that the new normal. When Republicans respond to it in a haphazard way, it automatically consummates that part that they didn't contest into the new normal by, by default, by consensus. And if you notice, that's what they do with everything. Well, okay, don't force these people to get the shot. If you have natural immunity, you shouldn't be forced. Like, what, huh? They're always, well, you know, this type of mask wearing. Wait, wait, you're telling me you're criminalizing our breathing? What? And I, I was the only one like that at the time. I stood alone. Now it's cool. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, masks are stupid. And even then, it's not over with. Again, it's on the planes. It's in all the medical settings. So people that are often under the most physical distress and have the most disabilities are still being denied care if they don't wear it. Crazy stories with that. And it happens with everything. Yesterday, you had the FDA advisory committee hearing. And they admitted that the shots don't work. But they're going to do them anyway. Um, this is Dr. Eric Rubin. He is the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine that publishes all the fraudulent studies. Right now, we don't have a good idea of what the next generation vaccine is going to look like. At the same time, we don't know what the next strain is going to look like. So they basically admitted that, what we all know, the virus changed. So you literally have an outdated shot. But it's not like they're going to change any policy because we've already been groomed into it. Paul Offit, he's the jerk from the Philadelphia Children's Hospital. He was also on the committee. It's just sort of a fait accompli. I feel that we're in a time, this sort of COVID exceptionalism, where we don't do things the way we normally did, which is that the science precedes the recommendation. Here, it's the other way around, meaning you just, you just recommend, which means mandate, when it's against science, and then when the science disproves you, well, you're already groomed. He admits it. They tell you that. Can you imagine that? COVID exceptionalism. <laughs> That's what he, he, he actually was honest about it. So they make us used to that. So we're okay with the, yeah, you know, the shots, you know, well, it killed 300,000 people. It didn't kill a million people. So it keeps raising the bar to the new normal. Yeah, this is what it means. A certain number of people die from it. As negative efficacy, that's kind of what you do to protect others, right? 
masks don't work, but you got to wear it anyway, right? Because we've been wearing them. Here's the point. Here's the point. It says in Deuteronomy 13.11, when it talks about severely punishing sinners, it might sound very severe, but then it says, then all Israel will hear and be afraid and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. That you have to have a swift response. Because the problem is that God understood it's not that evil is impossible to achieve. Whenever we have these political fights, I remember during the whole gay marriage fight, could you imagine if they start, you know, you know, the, the redefining marriage, what would happen? And before something occurs, it sounds like the world's going to come apart. Could you imagine if we have millions of illegals? Could you imagine if they start, uh, you know, just letting criminals out of prison? Could you imagine if they ever took away our liberties? Could you imagine if they took away, you know, our ability to get, have medical freedom? Could you imagine all these licentious things that they start doing? But then it happens. The other side, this is what they're good at. They don't debate it. Because when you have a protracted debate over something that's new and hasn't been done, people are going to be very suspicious of it. They just do. By hook or by crook. They don't follow law. They come, they see, they conquer, they do. And what that does, just like sin, it's not an impossibility. You could do it. And it's not like you're going to get struck down by lightning. Very rarely is there instant karma in this world. And it's by design because God wanted to uh, maintain free will in order to properly reward and punish people in the next world. So he's not going to you know, drop you a million-dollar reward every time you do something good and you know, strike you down when you do sin. So you could do it, and you could often get away with it. And you often won't see an apparent result. It's going to be subtle. Now, if you open your eyes, it's often very clear. Now, if you look at the culture since the homosexual revolution, I think it's very obvious at this point what the results were. And it's multi-pronged. It's not like people are going to be struck dead when you say, oh, let's have a gay marriage. But that's what they do. It's, it's, it's a slow churn. And people get accustomed to it and used to it. That's what grooming is, that it's okay for the pervert to, to do his stuff. This is what they do to you. And that is why it is so important to scream from the top of your lungs the minute this comes into sight, this is not normal. It's not normal. And I will not accept it. And if anything, you push back stronger than you even were preceding their act of aggression. You go on offense. You're like, now we're going to ban your thing even more than we did before. That's the way you do it. That's what deterrence is all about. Because if you allow that to be seated, that's how you have someone who could be abused by, by a groomer. This is what this is all about. They've said this exactly. It's not so much COVID. They've always wanted this vaccine, and these things aren't even vaccines, but these gene therapy tracking and controlling, mind control, everything they're doing, and they openly say that they needed a catalyzing event to groom people into the new normal. That's what Klaus Schwab means with the fourth uh, industrial revolution and the Great Reset. That's what he's referring to. That you have to, 
you have to jump out. Don't be that frog in the boiling water and be acclimated to that degree of insanity and immorality, inhumaneness that they're foisting upon us. Jump out of that. None of this is normal. None of this should be accepted. Now, one of the ways that they make us accept all this is by censoring the voices of those who will scream to jump out of that boiling pot of water. Given what I do in the communications that I engage in, I can't afford to have all my internet activity monitored by Verizon. Yes, Verizon has even admitted to doing it. They collect data on everything you do. They'll say it's so that they can better understand your interests, but really all they want is to sell your activity to advertisers and whom else? Okay? And at a minimum, you're just funding the very people that hate you, which is why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is kind of like a mask, except it works. Um, it encrypts all your network data, rerouted through ExpressVPN's secure servers. It's a simple app that you could, with one press of a button, you could have a family plan. I have all my devices, whether it's an iPad, iPhone, the laptops, the desktop, um, one plan works on up to five devices. So that's why I have my whole family using ExpressVPN too. When your phone carrier tracks you, that's a gross invasion of your privacy and that empowers everything we're talking about them doing. You can either keep letting them cash in or you could visit expressvpn.com conservative to get the same VPN I use. Take back your online privacy today and use my link to get three extra months free. Three extra months free, that's E-X-P-R-E, ssvpn.com slash conservative, expressvpn.com slash conservative. Now, before I try to pull Chip Roy out of the House chamber, talk about immigration, I just want to read to you an article here of what I mean with the, the GOP facilitating the grooming. See, if you only had the Democrat Party, people would know that's not normal, and eventually you'd fight back. But the Republicans will be like, okay, so we're having a $5 trillion bill that's going to induce an inflation crisis, catalyze the funding of a lockdown and everything that came from that, and fund Pfizer. But hey, the Democrats threw in some funding for the Kennedy Center into it. Oh, so the only problem is like the non-COVID funding. But the COVID funding is great. I'm just giving one example. But this is what they do on everything. So that makes it normal. Well, everyone knows there's two sides to the story. And people view the fact that Republicans and Democrats are opposites, even though they're not. But that's the perception. Because why else would you have two parties? So when they both create that consensus, that's how you move that Overton window. And the moving of the Overton window is geopolitical grooming. So there's one governor who is being touted as a potential presidential nominee or presidential candidate. And her message is not my message. She thinks evidently that Republicans, I don't know which Republicans she's referring to, they are too emphatic. You can't scream this is not normal and fight them tooth and nail. No. No, no, no. This is from the Washington Examiner. Governor Nome from South Dakota tells GOP to get over yourself and listen for the sake of America. South Dakota Governor Christy Nome 
charged the Republican Party to listen and be willing to engage in civil conversation with others to restore America to what its founders intended, a notion of free men and women. The way we talk to each other has consequences. My advice to the Republican Party is to get over yourself. She said this at the Reagan Library. We all have people in our lives that we stop talking to. We have been offended by them or we believe that they've, they're too far on the other end of the political spectrum from us. And there's no sense in wasting words even speaking to them. And we need to get over ourselves and start by listening. Wait, so we're the ones who need that reproachment? What? So we have a side that is like, your breathing is genocide. Cover your mouth. Get a clot shot. Deny you a kidney transplant. Deny a rape victim a service because she is not wearing a rape cloth on her face. Who's doing this? So she thinks that we don't have enough of that emphatic re- that we have too much of that emphatic reaction. No, let's talk it out. I don't know what in the world she is talking about. I don't know what planet these people come from. Then she went on to call the current war in Ukraine tragic, noting that President Zelensky has demonstrated his bravery to the world by his willingness to speak the truth and fight for freedom for the Ukrainian people. Oh, jeez. I mean, this is what you have. And she's considered to be one of the better governors. I, I, I just, then she went on to blast Joe Biden. So, you know, she says we need to, like, be nice to each other. But she blasted Joe Biden. Now, you might think over, like, the freedom issues. No. If we defend democracy in Ukraine, but we lose our fundamental freedoms here at home, we will have failed. Okay, that's nice. What are you going to do about it? So this is what it is. They talk a game, but then in what they actually do, they encourage it. It's pathetic. And one such example of this is Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott announced yesterday he's finally doing what we told him. And he's going to ship all those illegals to Washington. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. And then we find out, oh, it's those who volunteer. Oh. He also said he's going to you know, stop commercial trucks on the roads, to, you know, checkpoints. But now I'm hearing they're only on certain gravel roads. You know, th- There's always a catch to it. And then there's um, Border Report. One of their reporters asked at the um, – they write this in an article. Uh, it's borderreport.com. When, when asked by Border Report about reports – Wednesday that the governor would call the situation an invasion and deputize National Guard troops and DPS officers to send back migrants to Mexico. That's what we've been calling for. Abbott said to question your sources because they're not good. Oh, okay, so you're not doing that. This is what they do. They indulge our rhetoric enough while gliding us along to accept this as the new normal. That is grooming. And we cannot accept that. So we have Congressman Chip Roy on the line. We've been talking about grooming, how the Republican Party, with their lack of righteous indignation, when something so abnormal, immoral, illogical occurs, is foisted upon us, and they kind of let it slide, it acculturates us to a new normal. And you're hearing that term a lot. 
one area that where this has been going on, and not just since the Great Reset, but really my entire life, is the border. Typically, you have like a country, this country A, this country B, and you don't invade the other country. There's an immigration process, you could apply, but otherwise, you try to kind of trespass while you get sent back. Over the years, we created this new normal that it's like, yeah, that's kind of what happens there down Texas, Arizona. It's just, you know, everyone laughs, you know, wink and nod. This is what happens, and it gets worse and worse and worse. You know, 2014 shocked our consciences with the UACs from Central America, then the 2018-2019 crisis. And then we, we couldn't imagine it get worse than that. And then now it's just like, yeah, you know, 2 million, 2.5 million a year. Oh, okay, now we get rid of this, and it's like, it might be 6 million. Okay, well, that's too much. Maybe you shouldn't get rid of Title 42. So there's a little bit of effort behind that. But they're missing the broader point. None of this is normal. The one person who has this righteous indignation, um, because he does represent South Texas, District 21, is Congressman Chip Roy. And with everything going on today, I wanted to get an update from him, from the cloakroom. Congressman Roy, thanks so much for joining us again today. Daniel, always good to be on. And, yeah, I'm calling from the uh, cloakroom here right up before the House where I'm uh, getting ready to vote no on what other garbage the uh, Democrats are putting on the floor. But uh, but happy to join you, my friend. So what I'm trying to figure out is do your colleagues get the situation? I know they understand the talking point. But in their hearts, do they understand the enormity of what it does to people, the ranchers, uh, their you know cattle runs loose. They lose six months worth of water because the tank was damaged. Do they understand that? And could you talk a little bit about the chairman of your committee, the Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler? You had a little bit of a, a war of words yesterday with him. That they were kind of snickering at you when you tried to paint this picture of how bad it is at the border. Well, first of all, to answer your question, no, the vast majority of my colleagues, when you include both sides of the aisle, don't get it. And even when you talk about Republicans, it's still true that they don't actually get it the way you mean it. Um, it's better today than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, right? When you had the just reflexive Chamber of Commerce, uh, you know, oh, you know, the, the wall is a 19th century solution to a 21st century problem, B.S., that was driving our whole border agenda. The consequences of that, as you know, and as your listeners know, have led to where we are today. Of course, none of those clowns will admit that they own this, that they caused this when they sided with the Chamber of Commerce over your average hardworking American. Now you've got a larger block who understand it. In part, I'll give credit to President Trump for obviously leaning into and running on the wall and, and focusing on those issues. That was part of it, right? So that moved the needle. But then now people are seeing some of the horrors because of your work, because of people like me on the floor talking about it, because of others. And we're starting to see, gosh, this, you know, there's some real consequences here. But they still don't fully get it, not the way you mean it. Um, and that's something I keep trying to highlight. I keep trying to bring people in, experts in. But, you know, now you've got Republicans who, who will call Brandon Judd, who will call you know, some of the key people, uh, you know, guys like Mark Morgan or Tom Homan, who really, truly do get it. And and so we're making strides, but it's, it's kind of, you know, too little, too late. Or, or mm. again, I don't want to say that in a defeatist way, sure. but it's like, you know, welcome. Welcome to the party, Hal. Right. You're like, really? You know, now you, you're finally kind of waking up. But even there, they still don't fully get it. Right. You'll get members that will say things like, oh, uh, yeah, we just need more resources. We just need more, you know, let's just get more stuff. We need something that President Biden will sign. So let's just give them some more money. 
That's not the problem. You know that. I know that. Brandon Judd and the Border Patrol guys know that. Mark Morgan and Tom Homan knows that. It's policy. It's a simple choice. So let's go to the Nadler thing, since you raised it. Yesterday in the House Judiciary Committee, we're talking about uh, a, a visa waiver program. They want to expand it to U.S. Virgin Islands. Now, I understand why the U.S. Virgin Islands wants that, but understand the abuses that occur under a visa waiver program where you make it easier for people to come to the United States, uh, not having to go through a waiver, uh, I mean, get, get a visa. And so it was abused in Guam. It was abused in the uh, Mariana Islands. And so this is what we're actually dealing with U.S. Virgin Islands. So we were raising that point. We're saying, guys, you're doing this while our border is under fire. So I make a point, and I say this, and Nadler scoffed when I talked about little girls getting put into stash houses in Houston, Texas. But I've talked to the people that have dealt with that. I've met with the uh, people that deal with the sex trafficking trade. I'm talking about the ones who actually deal with the girls, right, and deal with the fallout of that. I've talked to the Border Patrol agents. I've talked to the prosecutors in the state or the DPS agents who have run across the cartel employees driving cars with people bound in the trunk and in a car getting taken to stash houses. Jerry Nadler hasn't done that. So I called him out on that. He said, well, I've been to the border. He went on some dog and pony show with a bunch of DHS flats, and they take you down to a thing and say, look at this. We put them here in this air conditioning field. We process them under the law for asylum. And then we follow the law, and then we release them. But at the end of the day, we're, not, we're, we're still turning people away. They don't, they don't understand the truth. They don't understand what's happening with the ranchers. So I called him out, and, and uh, obviously that video is making the rounds a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, the answer is, as usual, no, this town isn't in tune with where the average American is, but we're doing our damnedest to elevate it, and we're having some success. Some success. And, and, and this is what I find myself being bothered by, that Republicans start adopting things that I would have jumped for joy, you know, five to ten years ago. But as that Overton window moves, because we didn't do those things at the time we should have done them, the consequences gets worse. So the degree of problem we have now it, 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 there's no kind of technical, you know, expedited removal, even that stuff. It doesn't speak to that degree. And that's what I want to get to. You're a federal elected official, but you're you're from Texas and at the state level. So a lot of us have been saying, look, you, you we've crossed the point where it's a total invasion and you got to use um, Texas assets to send them back when when the feds are inviting them. And, you know, the governor was asked about this when he announced his new plan. And I thought, man, this is great. But then he said when 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 he was asked by a border report reporter, um, you know, we heard a rumor you might deputize National Guard troops to send them back. And he said, question your sources because they're not good. And, you know, I'm just starting to hear some of the details. It's not clear what trucks are going to be stopped. Um, the the gimmick of sending them to Washington is going to be voluntary, uh, on on a voluntary basis from the illegals, not not uh, you know forcibly sent there. Do you have confidence that Texas is moving in the right direction? So I leaned into this a little bit yesterday as that news was breaking, right? So I'm in the middle of the Judiciary Committee, and, and I want so desperately to be able to get in behind uh, uh, the governor, behind the state officials leading Texas to say, we're not going to take this anymore, right? Like, I, I desperately want that. So I'm willing to give a lot of grace for doing it in ways I wouldn't necessarily do. I understand some of the legal questions. 
But God darn it, we don't need freaking lawyering. We need to freaking fight. That's the problem. And we're getting lawyering instead of fight. Now, yesterday I said positive things about it. I'm going to withhold judgment until I see the full deal. I'm going to try not to Mm-hmm. I'm not going to cheerlead, and I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, criticize yet. I mean, I've leaned into a little criticism about the voluntary thing about the buses, but I'm going to study whatever that they're using and doing. But let me just set the parameters for my expectations, and this is what I am trying to communicate with with the governor's team: is my expectations are stop the flow. My expect expectations are not have a a a, a kind of show event. I'm fine with busing whoever gets dropped off in Texas by Border Patrol, put them on a bus and send them to D.C., but not as a kind of a show where you're basically giving a taxpayer-funded free trip to wherever they want to go. Right? If it's voluntary, you're basically just saying, great, come here. We'll have the taxpayers fund buses to get you wherever you want to go. It's basically you're turning Texas into an NGO. Well, that's stupid. If we're going to do something about saying you're not going to be in Texas, we're taking you out of here. Well, now that's a fight instead of a show. So I'm going to wait and see all this stuff plays out. But let's just say my expectation, I'm going to be very clear right here. You take steps to stop the flow. Don't lawyer this. Don't, uh, you know, say, well, you know, well, what would what would the uh, Fifth Circuit say on appeal? What would, no, we're under invasion. Go to Article 4. It's an invasion. Stop the flow. That's my standard. So on the on the interior side, on the law enforcement side, I speak to a lot of the sheriffs and prosecutors at the border. And one of the problems they say, and I know this reverberates with domestic domestic crime as well that you and I feel very strongly about. Um, you know, we've grown our resources with the population growth, everything, education. I mean, the health departments, even before COVID, now they, they have like billions of dollars and unlimited. But the one thing we won't grow is jails. And they, and they did a very smart thing. They cut the amount of jails. We are never building more jails and prisons anymore. So then they could say, well, it's getting crowded. we got to let people go. So what I'm hearing, one of the things is they don't have, one of the ideas was to start prosecuting them on, on trespassing to deter them. The problem is they don't have a place to go. And now I'm hearing that the pickup dudes, so that these are the people that are unfortunately American citizens living in Houston, San Antonio type of areas, and they come down and pick them up. They they're the smugglers that get paid directly or indirectly by the cartels. They're now sending women because they don't have female jails in those small county you know areas um, just south of your right. district, uh, Del Rio sector. You know, like Kinney County, that area, Brackettville. They don't they don't have anything there. I mean, they barely have men's jails. They have like six slots in some of these county jails. That's it. Um, is there is there an infrastructure issue there that I mean, do you see an avenue to start using, you know, prosecutions? Now, I agree we need to send them back, but at least on the smuggler end to start deterring some of this. Um, I, I, let me answer this, this way. Um, you're correct about what you're observing and you know it. And you've got all your great sources and you're looking at all the facts the way you should be. Um if we don't turn people away, right, and we're dealing with it on the back end, we've already lost. Mm. So if you're if you're the mayor of Uvalde, if you're Don McLaughlin, who I know has probably been on your show or you certainly sure. talked to him, 
And Don says, uh, and look, and Don, by the way, well, I don't want to speak about private conversations, but a lot of the mayors were kind of excited about hearing that the governor is saying, hey, we're going to do something. But I think this is going to, I think the problem is they're going to start seeing, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? I mean, I get it because the mayor, just an example here in Uvalde, Border Patrol has been dropping off 100-odd-plus a day just in the middle of Uvalde. Now, so people understand that. Uvalde is a tiny town, tiny, and they don't have uh, resources to take 100 people a day. And so then those people have to go, well, how do we get them to San Antonio? Where do they go? Um, and so I can see why they would say, well, great, if the governor would put them on a bus and put them somewhere, that's, that's great for us. So I understand the allure to a certain degree of having the state say, we're just going to take these people, and instead of them being dumped in the streets of Uvalde, we're going to go take them dump them at the Capitol step in, in, in Washington. I support that in, in a sort of conceptually, but that's not going to solve the problem to your point. Again, if you don't turn them around at the river, we ain't going to win this. Mm. There is no other choice, and I'm tired of talking about anything else that's not directed at you. I'm just saying that's, a really that's good what we're left with. That's a really right? good I mean, point. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm saying I'm proving my own point. These are things yeah. we would have cheered on a, a few years ago, even. OK, you know, that's good. Start locking them up and, you know, have consequences. But at some point, you can't manage your way out of an invasion. You can't litigate, adjudicate your way out of an invasion. And it's gotten so bad that, I mean, to me, this was the 800-pound gorilla in the room. They asked him, you know, we heard you might call it an invasion and turn people back, deputized. And he's like, get your sources right. That concerns me. I know you were withholding judgment on him. But at a federal level, um, before I let you go, you gotta got to go to a vote. Um, what changes next year? What changes on the border issue? What do you feel where you said – um, you're on House Judiciary that oversees most of the immigration portfolio. What what do you think can be done? So this will depend entirely on how conservatives play this and what we demand out of a speaker that we choose if the House Republicans take the House and who is the Homeland Security chairman. Assuming Jim Jordan is the chairman of Judiciary, you know, we will, I, I think, have a pretty good shot at holding the line and, and fighting back any of the sort of crazy stuff they want to try to advance on immigration through judiciary. Uh, by they, I mean the establishment. Uh, but Homeland Security chair is a big question that has to be resolved. So to answer your question, what do I expect to occur, depends entirely on what we demand as conservatives. And there is more conver- uh, there, are, there is more chatter. There are more conversations going on today about the need to not talk about future flow or status and talk only about border security. Now, not everybody's there. There are a lot of weak links in that, but there's more conversation about it. That's good. There are more groups that are committing to that. And so our job is to demand it. I actually have been saying to people, and it's been somewhat off-putting to some, and I don't care, guys, I have a non-negotiable set of requirements for border security. And that's the way we have to talk about it. We have to say, this is it. You get no other choice. This issue, you will solve it. You will do the following or we're done with you. And we have to mean it. And I mean, mean it, Daniel. And I'm saying that border security is the stuff we all know what it is, right? You will build and fund and force a fight on the infrastructure wall roads, etc. You will fix the credible fear asylum issue. You will fix 
floors catch and release. You will fix TVPRA. You will strengthen and demand and force migrant protection protocols return to Mexico. You will expand, fix, and give more authority under Title 42 and, in fact, demand and require it. You will demand that they be enforced or withhold funding of DHS and force action on it. You will provide more tools to be able to have private action in suit to force action. You will target the cartels, call them terrorist organizations, or I don't care, call them freaking peanuts. I don't care, but give people the tools to go after them. You get my point? That's yep. it. Nothing else. You have no – there is no wiggle room. We demand it. If we do that, Daniel, we might get these freaking losers to do their job. We're, we've got some momentum because of how bad it is. The fact that we have a – now the Republicans whipping and going along with our discharge petition on Title 42, despite the fact I filed that a year ago this month, it took a year to get these clowns to say, okay, we'll get the whole Republican conference on it. Well, we're there except for Kinzinger, but that doesn't count. <laughs> so we got all Republicans, but no Democrats. All right, well, let's have the fight, right? We have four senators who have come out against it, Cinema, Kelly, Tester, Manchin. Great. Let's hold their feet to the fire. Let's force Democrats to join this. The bigger question here is what will Republicans do to fight? What will They're they still do? not there. It's not in their DNA. We have to force it. And 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 Chip, just to close this up and, and to tie it back into the, the shots and the COVID biomedical tyranny and everything, my my problem I have, even with a lot of some of our uh, mutual friends, some of them maybe more Freedom Caucus oriented people, it's it's skin deep. It's 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 a good talking point because the left is always providing us with fodder because they're doing the most immoral, illogical, absurd things at any given moment. I mean, whether it's the border, whether it's it's the freedom issues. But it's it's skin deep. It's a talking point. But I get the impression that – and, and these are – I'm not talking about the bad guys. These are good people. They don't, like you said, sit and talk with the ranchers at the border. And on, on the other issues, they don't talk with people that experience the stuff in the hospitals. They don't talk with the doctors who've treated. They don't talk with all of the doctors and victims of, of the shot injury and they would understand, dude, stop with the talking points. This is not like, okay, I got to align my positions, okay, vaccine, this is where you have to stand. Well, yeah, I was always like that too, but but times have changed. This is a different animal. You got to look at the facts on the ground. I, I don't see that even among conservatives. Well, I, let me let me say how much I agree, um, and and particularly without us venturing into covid because that's a whole nother show, and I'm happy to come on and talk about it. Sure. I will note that yesterday in the Judiciary Committee, we raised this issue and picked this fight on COVID because we were talking about making sure when they're talking about expanding domestic terrorism at the Department of Justice and creating a whole unit and reorganizing to focus on domestic terrorism. And we're saying, guys, we want an amendment that says you can't target people because of their beliefs and information they're sharing about COVID. And they're like, oh, you guys are just making a show out of it. And we're not making a show out of it. You actually have an FBI memorandum saying you're going to do that. And you and I both know, Daniel, that everyone's been getting canceled. Everyone's been getting fired, all because of their, their positions and beliefs on this. And when we've got all these folks out there, and you and I both talked about the data showing uh, you know, excess deaths for people 25 to 44 that are non-COVID, natural deaths. And I just want to have a hearing on this. This is complex stuff. You, neither you nor I know all of the truth and facts here, yeah. but we know how to read and look, and everybody here doesn't want to dive into it. Now, so to your point, will conservatives fight to seek the truth? 
Will they not be lazy? Will they seek the truth on the border? And then will they fight on it? Because, again, with all due respect to Texas leadership, they've sat in rooms with the ranchers. But now I want to fight. Like, we, did, we didn't in 1855 or 1875 or 1830 in Texas. We didn't go, oh, you know, we got the Comanches barreling down on our ass in Texas, and we got a bunch of fro- folks coming across the border, and we've got Santa Ana. We didn't sit around going, well, what are our legal rights? What, co- what court do we have to go to to figure out? God darn it, you saddle up and fight. And, and that's what I'm trying to tell people. Like, this is not – what time is it, right? That's a phrase we use as, as those of us conservatism that, that's saying know what conservatism means and know what the time is. What is the fight for today? The fight for today is to stand up for your nation and sovereignty and freedom and and our ability to live free. Yes, in the rule of law. I believe that strongly. But I also believe that embedded in the rule of law and natural rights, which, of course, uh, you know, Ketaji Brown Jackson doesn't believe in and Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and Murkowski all vote for anyway. Natural rights and these things precede all of that. We have a right to protect ourselves, a fundamental right. And the state of Texas has a right to protect its citizens. And the Constitution reflects that. And our leadership ought to recognize that. And Texas members of the congressional delegation ought to recognize that. I am tired of it. I am over it. And I'm going to keep calling people out over it. Well, we look forward to seeing that. We've certainly heard you on the House floor. Uh, Get back in there. Give them hell for us. And looking forward to having you back. Amen, brother. Keep up the fight, man. Keep your head up. And everybody out there listening, keep your head up. This is our country, damn it. And let's let's reclaim it. All righty. God bless. So, folks, again, that was Congressman Chip Roy, a longtime friend of the show. And a lot of people always ask me, wow, imagine if you would run for Congress. Man, you'd give them hell there. Me embodied in Congress is Chip. I mean, I think you could all tell. You feel it in the bones. If you ever hear him, you know, his speeches on the House floor – It's in his heart. And this is what's lacking. This is what has always frustrated me in the so-called conservative movement. And and it got worse once social media became the dominant thing because everything was skin deep. It's like even if they say what you and I are saying, but it's also I I, got to get out a good tweet, a a good Facebook post. uh, Here's a good talking point on cable news. Yeah, look what he's doing at the border, you know, while he's, you know, crushing our freedoms at home. They'll say that. But it's just as deep as the talking point, and the proof is in the pudding. Because when it comes to action, we're like, oh, so you recognize it's an invasion, so Governor Abbott, so then you're obviously going to deter the invasion. Oh, no, I didn't say I'm going to do that. And that's that's the deal. Because they don't feel this sense of justice. Because they themselves have been groomed. I can't tell you how many people I've watched that are older than me. So they lived much longer before this whole licentious revolution. And they're totally bought in the conservative gay this and that. And, you know, whatever it is, they're bought into it. They're desensitized. That's normal. This is what it is nowadays. Yeah, we have an invasion at the border. It's what it is nowadays. This is what you have to do to stop a pandemic. Yeah, the Democrats took it too far, but you know, um, you know, we're always for for vaccines. And they just get desensitized by this stuff. When you don't have that immediate, categorical, 
swift reaction, you lost ground. And then you're always going to be, this is why they're always a, a day late, a dollar short. Too little, too late. They'll get to where we were five, ten years ago when the severity and the consequences of what they weren't fighting back then wasn't nearly as bad as it is today. But it's worthless now. By the way, it's interesting. You you, you heard he kind of hedged there on um, the House Homeland Security Committee. Uh, the ranking member is a guy named Katko from New York. He is probably like, you know, let's say there's 210 Republicans now. He's among the 10 most liberal Republicans. And he would be, I believe, the Homeland Security Chairman. So this is what we're, we have waiting for us on the other side of this. I'm just telling you. Um, but even the more Freedom Caucus-oriented ones, I mean, Jim Jordan, you know, he's whatever. I mean, we'll 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 push him, we'll try, but it's a lot about talking points. Now, one of the ways that I think we've also been groomed, and again, stemming from that lack of sense of right and wrong, of justice, we think we understand it, but when you've been clouded for so long by the left successfully implementing their ideas, even it becomes normal in our eyes. And crime is, is another one of those issues. I was mentioning with Chip what I've been hearing in Texas, but this is true everywhere. They stopped building prisons despite the population growth. And they're like, oh, it's overcrowding, it's over-incarceration. And really, there's a woeful under-incarceration problem. Let me just give you an example of what's what's going on. And and I, I could go all day with these cases. But this guy, Smiley Allen Martin, quintessential punk of what's going on. So this is a guy, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison January 12th, 2018. He was just arrested for a mass shooting that killed six people in Sacramento. Oh, and by the way, he had an illegal automatic weapon. So gun gun control already banned it in California. No one's allowed to carry a gun. But he was carrying it. This is a quintessential example of how guns don't kill, jailbreak of violent criminals kill. And this is California, but this has been supported by both parties. You might be wondering, how does a 10-year sentence, well, how is he out to commit another murder? Well, because nowadays with all the good time credits, he got let out after four years. And he had a massive record starting in 2013 when he was 18. Now, you know what that means. You look at his profile, there's no way it wasn't before 2013 when he was a juvenile, but we don't have access to those records. And, you know, he was in and out, got nothing, according to court documents obtained by the Sacramento Bee. Martin was caught illegally with a rifle in 2013. Okay, he was given probation, wasn't locked up. Ten months later, he was caught after committing multiple robberies, Walmarts, tar Targets. He was sentenced to two years. I don't know how long he served, but I'm sure it wasn't two years. Probably wasn't more than one. He was caught again, running from police violating his parole, and then uh, nothing happened. Then a few months later, he was sentenced to 10 years because he brutally beat a prostitute that he had in his home. 
and this is part of an whole an early release program that they now have that will release 76,000 people early. So what's interesting is New York City Mayor Eric Adams recently admitted there's a climate on the street that that carrying a gun is no longer an illegal act and we have to stop that. Yeah, indeed it isn't cuz you don't lock them up, you idiot. Gun, you know, there is a total right to carry in in these areas as long as you are of the right ilk. Now, red states differ in that other people could carry lawfully. But what's not so different is the jailbreak. I mean, you look at Houston. Houston, Texas. It's a cesspool. San Antonio, Austin, all these places. Utter cesspools. Utter cesspools. The, the, the police, police chief is complaining that they're already 10% over last year's record number of murders year to date. And now there's no consequences. It's a revolving door. How does that happen in Texas? I'll tell you how it happens in Texas because we've lost our sense of justice because the entire conservative movement, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is considered a right-leaning think tank, they got Texas under Governor Rick Perry to start on this whole de-incarceration nonsense. And again, I could live in a country, I mean, it's not ideal, I don't want it, but where they're like, we're not building any more jails and we're sick of locking up people, but then they don't lock us up and we could do what we want. And we could deter criminals in our own way. But no, they'll be there to lock us up for things like, you know, political persecutions as well as self-defense. So what I'm telling you is this whole rhino problem is born out of a lack of justice. They disagree with what the left is doing. They disagree with the rape and the grooming of society. But a real man doesn't just disagree with it. It's burning in his heart. So he's going to leverage every opportunity to actually fight it. And you don't see that. And by the way, these cases are rampant. I'm just telling you. Um, I had a couple more we can go over. We haven't gone through this in a while. Just to sample what's out there in the criminal docket. But... uh. This is in Arkansas. So they arrested a man suspected in a Saturday shooting at a car that sent 27 people to the hospital, killed one. Okay, this is in Dumas, Arkansas. He was charged with first-degree battery and aggravated assault. Being held in jail, judge set a 100,000 bond, which is not that high for something like that. Shooting of 23 people. And um, where is this? No, 28 victims were taken to the hospital. It was gang-related, obviously. And like everything else, this guy had a massive criminal history. A massive criminal history. 
He shoots 28 people. He's involved in that shooting, and he's let go. On a hundred thousand bond. I'm sorry, he wasn't let go yet. No, I don't. I don't know if he posted it yet. Could you imagine if you had a white guy like shoot into a crowd like that? I think they'd po- uh, set bail at hundred thousand. Governor Asa Hutchinson said that the incident at at this community event represents a total disregard of the value of life. Yeah, he would know. He bought into this jailbreak thing a long time ago. And he would understand the value of life by buying into COVID fascism. But he's just your run-of-the-mill Republican governor. Speaking of grooming, by the way, listen to this story. This is from Cincinnati. Lamont Baldwin, a former wrestling coach and security monitor at Princeton Middle School, admitted to sexually touching four boys over several years. But investigators believe there were more. Similar allegations by two additional boys were dismissed after they didn't show up to testify. Um, And the detective is looking for others. Sharonville Police Detective Brad Hondorf said Baldwin, 56, is a pure predator. So he worked in that school for more than 20 years. All the boys told investigators about the dollar game. It involved Baldwin giving the boys a dollar bill and telling them to hide it. Oh my God, I see, I, I didn't know. Honestly, I saw the headline and I didn't read the story, but he would then search them all over their bodies. Yeah, so, and he did all sorts of things. Um, yeah. So, this is what we have on the streets now. In America. And. He got probation. As his punishment. Okay. He got probation. This is the state of Ohio. I am telling you. Everyone thinks like. Oh child sex. That that we locked them up. There are times we do. Increasingly often we don't. Okay. This is how bad the under-incarceration problem is. And it's, it, it's only that way because Republicans have spent all this time supporting that agenda. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, that is a perfect metaphor for what happens to us. It, it's disgusting. I don't even, even want to talk about it. But that's what we're playing around with with the Republican Party. Ooh, here's a we'll secure the border banner while they go and screw us. Don't get groomed into thinking this is normal. Don't get placated by a freaking dollar bill. Don't get placated by a stupid election result where you have a bunch of pathetic Republicans win something that doesn't do anything for us. Find real solutions. And then not only do we have all this domestic crime, we have to import it from elsewhere. This is from Breitbart, a legal alien charged with killing elderly men, injuring three others in Florida. This happens so much. Jose Virgilio Carcamao Elvir, 42-year-old illegal, was charged with one count of DUI manslaughter, three counts of DUI causing serious bodily injury, driving with an expired license, and driving with open alcohol containers. I don't know where he got his license from. It was from another state. 
but he crashed into the back of another vehicle, caused an eight-vehicle crash. Perry Adrian Cole, a 72-year-old resident of Palmetto Bay, Florida, was involved in the crash, rushed to the hospital, and he was later pronounced dead. 72-year-old man. This affects every American. I'm telling you, if people would understand the ubiquitous nature of illegal alien DUIs, you would, you would go crazy. But that information is kept from people. There is such a need to record this. There is such a need to deal with this issue. And I hope the Florida governor takes that on. Every single time someone is pulled over, we should know what their citizenship is. And certainly if they're arrested for a crime. And we need to count every single DUI. We need to account for every illegal who's driving on the roads. Now, some of them will drive without a license. So you can't catch them until the first time. This comes, obviously, a few weeks after um, uh, a Haitian criminal alien brutally murdered a Florida husband and wife in Daytona Beach. So DeSantis did put out a statement on this. I mean, this is news because until, until DeSantis, I used to report on all these crazy tragic stories. If you remember before COVID, the criminal alien stories, these guys caught and released and it was in red states, and none of the red state Republican officials would put out a statement. So at least now he puts out a statement because they don't care. They don't feel it in their heart. They don't feel or demand that sense of justice. And look, we have it on so many things. The justice of all the people disabled from the shots, denied treatment, denied kidney transplants. We're going to get into that a little bit more tomorrow. The genocide taking place in the hospitals. When you believe in justice and you have a heart, then your brain follows. I might not know the extent of every evil going on, but when I start seeing it, if you really feel a sense of justice, you're going to look into it. I didn't know from vaccines. I didn't know anything about it. I never talked about it. Those of you who are with me for years would have never heard me talk about it. Illegal immigration, we obviously talked about a lot. Crime, we talked about but when I started to see the injustice, I looked into it. And this is the problem, even with these so-called conservatives. They don't, they're lazy, but I don't think they're lazy. If you really have a sense of justice, you would want to do what is right. Like it says in Deuteronomy, this matter, meaning doing the right thing, returning to God is close to you. It's in your mouth and your heart to pursue. You got to articulate it. You got to feel it in your heart. And then the third level is to do action. Enough talk. Time for action. And look, we're constantly going to be pursuing and, and, and just trying to find new ideas. How do we find some degree of sanctuary from all of this? But first, we have to believe and that's what this show is all about. Send it to every one of your friends and relatives. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You can email me with your comments, questions, concerns at startmail.com. Still haven't gotten kicked off of Twitter, by the way, at RM Conservative there as well. 
Um, also, you could sign up at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel for our May 22nd handgun defensive training trip to New Mexico. Um, it's an amazing trip. You'll meet me and other members of the show, so sign up there. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.